0: So, continuing with, um, number one, discussing the seven steps of the Shakalatari mm-hmm. Um So, as we spoke out last time, the Bala Maimra is the one that somewhere or another introduces a Chiddush to us. And that's very important because if everything he's saying sounds to us obvious, then we're missing the point. right? There's got to be a Chiddush here. It cannot be poshut. If it ever is, then the Gemara will right away ask Pshita. Obvious, it's obvious what you're saying. We don't need to be told that. And so once there is a Hiddish, then of course we're going to attack it. We're going to ask about it. We're going to say, who says? Right? It's a Hiddish, nobody said it until now. right? So um, the the Bala Memra, he's kind of, uh, no matter what he does, he, he's going to be attacked. If he says something that's obvious, we're going to say Pshit. If he says something that's a Hiddish, we're going to say Mecheteis. Who says? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then he's going to have to defend himself. That's, that's what happens when you, you want to try and introduce new things to Yiddishkeit, right? It's not going to be easy. Okay, so the, the Baal Mehmer being a creator of new halacha, right? So he's going to have to be ready to defend his ground. Is that the whole
1: point? That it has to be difficult because. Thing, new things naturally do not come about. It doesn't exist, yes. It's,
0: it's like you're trying to create something, you can try to create something which is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, until now, everything's been fine without you saying that, right? So so, uh, so now now you're, you're going to be challenging the status quo. You're revolutionary. Mm-hmm.
1: Right?
0: Albert Einstein will have let's, let's say better, Avram Avinu.
1: Well, I mean I'm saying in terms of right, okay, having some yeah. brand new in of i idea
0: and concept. Aurominu. Yes. Monotheism, Bringing monotheism yeah. to the world, right? That's, that's, that's pretty that's pretty big. Pretty pro, pro, of, yeah. pro, pro, he's the he's the he's the he's the ultimate activist. Right? He's the he's the one he's the bomb member, he's the one going out being Mihailish. boom. Now Yitzhak, I mean, he doesn't have to say there's too much to say. Right. He's he's just Working on what Avraham Avinu said, working it out, grinding it in himself, right? Doesn't not not, not a major revolutionary. Mm-hmm. So different different stages, right? So first you go through an expansion. That's the Bala Amram. What's going to happen after the expansion? The there's going to have to be a contraction.
1: Okay, but why does there have to be a contraction after the expansion?
0: Because the expansion almost by definition is usually. Um, Uncontrolled, right? Initially, when you hear them, boom, right? You ever hear a Dvar Torah, and you like, oh, unbelievable. This is like this is like all of Yiddishkeit is now different. Like this, from now on, that's it. You know, like this is this is the Torah. This Dvar Torah it defines all of Yiddishkeit, mm-hmm. okay. right? And then, and then you speak to me, and I say to you, wait, 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 hold, hold on, <laughs> right? right. Uh, not so. At first, that's not exactly what he meant. He only meant in a particular situation, limited by. By a number of different factors, right? So means whenever you have an expansion, right, then there's going to have to be a little bit of a counterforce, a little bit of a pushback to help you find the actual true, you know, the true place of it. You're saying right? channeling it? Um, channeling it, okay, channeling it. Channeling uh, it. I like to. You know, I'm still going to use my. my I understand what you're saying channeling. I'm still going to use my expression of for it to find its place in the context, in the greater context of everything else. Okay. Yeah, because the, the Baal Mamer is saying one thing. So when he's saying it, he says this one thing, it's without context. So it's not, we're not talking about other mitzvahs and other situations and other limitations. He says it, and initially it sounds very, very extreme, usually. Mm-hmm. It's a very powerful, big thing. Right? So that's what the Shilas and
1: the Kashas are, essentially, is to yeah. help find the proper place for Exactly.
0: Them. They're chopping away at it, they're pushing it, they're, they're attacking they're, they're making it... Now, let's see how that Kiddush of yours is going to fit in with the rest of Yiddishkeit.
1: So it's not that they're trying to kill it, then. I mean, well, I guess it's a sterile, but I mean, they're not trying no. to like, really do... It, it should not be viewed as in a negative way.
0: What they're trying to do—it's definitely not negative. It's very, very positive. But I guess when you say try to kill it, well, so I'll I'll explain myself. Their job mm -hmm. is to try to kill it, because if they can kill it, then it should be dead. If if it's killable, right, then 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 it shouldn't be. So they have to try their hardest. Their obligation is to try their hardest to try to kill it. But when they won't manage to kill it. Then we know for certainty that it's strong, that, it, that it's that it's robust, that it's true, mm-hmm. right? But what does happen through that wrestling process is that it helps us to find. Oh, it's not it's not just a big circle without you know just kind of um, addressing everything. No, no, it's actually you know uh, a squiggly line like this, right? It's 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 been molded now, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the process of yitzira. Right? There's a process of Bria, of creation. Creation is mm-hmm. Yeshme Ain, is Baralukim, right? Shem created, boom. Mm-hmm. The big bang. Poof. Right? But then that's yet without form. Then you have to exert pressure, force, contraction to mold what's here. To something that's functional, something that can work with other things.
2: Okay,
0: that's Yitzir. That's narrowing. Mm-hmm. That's the power of Yitzhak now, right? And before we we're talking about Avram Avinu, the the um, active, the you know, the activist, right? Now we're going to have to pull back, limit it, help it find its place, and help it understand what it is and what it's not.
1: Right. That's actually. Again, as a side point, why I feel like right now what we're going through is that Shem is molding us in a more efficient way than he has previously.
0: Could be. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. To be continued that conversation. Um, okay. So that so that is the so the, the right? Although the the is out to kill the. Maimra, right? But at the end of the day, when the Maimra will usually um, survive, right? It is going to come out, very often it is going to come out altered, changed. Not the way we initially understood it. And usually in a more limited fashion, than we usually understood it.
1: Is it still attributed to the original Bala Maimra?
0: Yeah. So either that's what he meant all along, or you know you, you might have to readjust his stance partially.
1: Mm-hmm. But the all the people that were asking the questions, they don't necessarily get credit in terms of what the end result is.
0: Well, they help to bring it out to, to to help it to help form it, right? Mm-hmm. So he's the one that the created it, so to speak. He was one of the debris, mm-hmm. but they helped. They They were the external forces that pushed on it. And that's called the tzira, right? Okay. Which, by the way, is interesting. Um, the uh, the the first rebbe of Chabad, Balatanya, so he is quoted as saying that if not for the opposition of the Vilna against Hasidus, Hasidus would have never survived. Really, it would have been exactly what we're saying: that this explosion, right? Hmm. Boom, and they were, it was. It was it was a movement that was out of control. Wow. It was expanding in such a way. They were they were neglecting halacha. They were they were not you know not shomer things. It was it was uh, you know this uh, this uh, you know very powerful movement, but it was not controlled. And the opposition of the Vilna that made them you know that held them accountable basically. If they would be in defiance of the, of the Talmud or you know or of the Minhagim, etc., mm-hmm. that kind of you know um, formed them and gave them boundaries within which they could still be Hasidim, but now within the greater context of being from Yiddin.
1: That's amazing perspective.
0: Yeah. So it's uh, and again. You know, at the time, right, while the struggle was happening, so the, you know, so the, the Magon had real concerns that this was, this was going to be a disaster, this thing, so he was really out to stomp it out, Mm -hmm. but, you know, 50 years later already, when, when, when Tanya was much younger, so 50 years later, 100 years later, however much later it was, looking back at it, that's, that's. That's actually what helped to survive. So, too, you know, with the maimer, if you just let the maimer slide, right, you just let it go as you hear it, mm-hmm. so then it wouldn't work with the rest of shas. Right. So, it's the maction that really helps us to find the true place of the maimer.
1: With the idea being that we only want to be able to bring up MS when it comes to Judaism. 100%. Because anything that's not is something that's us essentially...
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh.
1: Okay. That's so. that's actually a much better perspective than I have on, on Gamar and like why there is so much back and forth.
0: Good. Okay, wonderful. Uh, now we we brought up three potential moves that are gonna happen um, in this you know, once a MAMER comes up, right? Again, like we said, maybe once in the blue moon you have a raya for, for, for what for a memra, right? But that would that would be very unusual. Mm-hmm. So usually, usually, it's going to be either Kasha or Stira. Sometimes you have a Shaila. It's also pretty uncommon to have a Shaila, right? Shaila is. I'm not. I'm telling you. I'm just asking for further clarification or for some information or whatever that may be. Um, you know. So let's let's put that one to the side, right? So the main meat of the of what we're working with in the Gemara is the, is either the Kasha or the Stira
1: So most of the time it would be a Kasha following the Mamre? Or a Stira or, But I thought a Stira or, because it's so strong that that's still pretty common
0: Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure it, it could be that Kasha's are a little bit more common than Stira's, but but the point is, uh, you bring up a stira, a contradiction. Okay. Okay. Um, now, as we explained last time, the difference between a kasha and a stira is that a stira is a is a kill move, right? It's it's saying you what you're saying is in direct contradiction with something that you cannot be in direct, direct contradiction with. Let's say, for example, a posok right? Torah says explicitly not like what you're saying. Boom, that's a kill move. You cannot possibly Say okay, you're right, but um, but still, you know, but uh, it, but it's still, very, you know, but it's, uh, w- we have a lot of reason to yes say, <laughs> you can't do it. So, uh, so th- therefore, the only way to deal with a stira is to deflect it. You cannot absorb a stira. Right? To absorb means you you let it hit you, right? And you say. Okay, and uh, you know I can still continue fighting, right? So, a steer a being is a kill move. You you can't you can never absorb it. You always have to deflect it. Deflect it means you have to say no, right? No, that's not what that source means.
1: That's considered deflecting.
0: Yeah, I mean, no. you're okay. saying you're saying that there's a source that contradicts what I'm saying, right? So it, you.
1: Would- that person then would, or the original bottom or the bottom member would say that the Pusik
0: is means something else. Something else right. That's the answer. The okay. answer is that source that you just brought me means something else. That's a dhiqia.
1: Okay. I'm trying to think back now to Mishnayos so of where there's been examples of that. Or at least when people would bring when I would be going with somebody and they would bring up those points.
0: So that that now no, that makes sense. So that would be considered, Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's so that's uh, that, that. Now it's, it's important to understand: a steer has to be explicit attack. The moment, it, it, even if people get this confused, people think, "Oh, well, it was an attack based on a source," right? So therefore, that must be a steer. not necessarily, because if the source that you brought as an attack, didn't explicitly say the opposite of what I'm saying. If it's inferred from there, that's no longer a stira, Because that inference can be challenged. I could say, well, it's true that that source says that, but the inference you're making off of it is incorrect.
1: So that's... Sorry, repeat that. That's not a stira. That would
0: not be a Mm stira. A is only if it's a direct, if it's explicit, direct contradiction to what I'm no, saying no, 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 in, in right. the source. Okay? Whereas if it's let's say it's an inference, let's say it's a right, djig, right off of the source, right? So, so I've have, I have a Mishnah elsewhere, and the Mishnah only says uh, for example, someone says um, two people can make a Zimun. Uh, so what do you mean? But the Mishnah but the mission says. Three people ate Mizaman. Mashma, the duke is that if it would be two, they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's not a stira. Because that's because you have to add your own words to make it be an attack. Right? Meaning the Mishnah itself doesn't say not like me. I said two people keep be What are you showing me? You're showing me the Mishnah says three people are Muzaman. That doesn't contradict what I said. I said two people keep be The Mishnah says three people three people are misaman. The, those may both be true, right? It's because you're making an inference. You're saying, well, the fact that the Mishnah taught me three people are Ha'ev and the assumption that we all have is the Mishnah is going to tell you the greatest Hiddish, and uh, and if two people could be M'zamin, the Mishnah should have taught me that instead. So the fact that the Mishnah taught me three people are M'zamin, that indicates to me that two people cannot be Mazamen. Mm-hmm. So that's not a stira. That's a kasha. Okay? Because, as we're going to explain in a minute what a kasha is. Okay? But the point is, it's not a stira because you have to add your own words to the source to help us see why the source is difficult with what I am saying. And a stira has to be that it's explicit. It's explicit, not like what I'm saying. And the dhiyah is, no, no, no. It meant something else. It was something else. It, it was in a different context. Uh, yeah, what, whatever is going to be the is gonna, whatever is going to be the we're going to push away the source. We're going to say that there is no such source. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now uh, and now for the, uh, for caches. Caches are difficulties. Difficulties? There are many difficulties. Yossi, do you have any difficulties in your life? One or two. Okay. Does that mean that you're not alive? You're alive, right? right. Your difficulties. Life is full of difficulties. Yes. Um, truth can be difficult sometimes. Right? Yes. It, it doesn't make it that it's not true. Right? Okay. Now, if there's enough difficulties with something, then you start questioning whether this is the. Whether this is the correct approach, right? So difficulties are issues that are brought up, and th- so difficulties therefore can be dealt with in a number of ways. One way is to is to deny them, I means to say it's not true. You're saying there's a difficulty here. There's no difficulty here. Right? That there's, there's also a deflection, right? But another, but there, there's also always a possibility to absorb it. To say yeah it's difficult. I agree. It's difficult. But I do have a way to deal with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, and here's and here's how. And that's and that is a very important distinction whenever we see we look at a terrace to Akasha. Yeah mm-hmm. we always want to identify is the terrace? accepting the premise of the kasha, absor- and, and absorbing and saying, yes, it's true, That it's true what you're saying, but I have a way to deal with it, I'm being vague right now, afterwards maybe next week we'll get more, have a more chance to get deeper into this, into the mechanics of this, right? But just right now, um, it's true what you're saying is difficult, there's difficult, you know, in my memory. But nonetheless, my memory is true, and here is how I deal with the difficulty. Okay, as opposed to um, the other way is to say, no, no, no. It's, 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 well, the point you bring up is not is not is not true. That's not how you oh, sorry. That's not how you learn that uh, source that you bring, or, or, or you know that that reasoning that you're saying, or, or whatever it may be, right? That deal that you're making. Okay, that uh, so those are those are two ways you can be a akashin to deflect mid-turret. it or absorb it.
1: So you can also deflect it. Deflect
0: it, right? Deflect it would be you mislearned that source or you know whatever it may be, right? But you can't absorb a stirrup. it has to be deflected. Correct. That's because remember, because stira is a, is a, is a kill move, right? So you can't. There's no way to deal with it. It's, you can't absorb it and just say, okay, but I, but I have a way to deal with it. And so, um, many people live with aches and pains, and they have ways that they deal with it. I put a little cream on it. I, 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 I try to not step on that part of my foot or you know, whatever. There's ways alcohol. that you can deal with alcohol. Some right? Um, unhealthy. Right.
1: Eating too much ice cream.
0: Especially if it's not uh, faithful, Yosef's ice cream plug. Okay, um, yeah. Okay, fine. So that is uh, that's um, that's Cash and Teretz, and so the Teretz is the Buchina of Yaakovina. Yeah, Yitzchak. To a certain extent, is the opposite of Abraham. He, he's the contraction, right? But then, then the way that the two of them can live together is 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 the Bukhina of Yaakov, right? Is where yeah. it's where I gain a new perspective that I didn't have before, which allows the mamra to exist together with other forces that seem to be in conflict with it so remember again we had our big bang Mm -hmm. then we had a a certain level of contraction right Mm -hmm. and now we have to find that perfect balance called shalom called peace where where the different forces find how they're going to work together and sometimes Yes, sometimes the member that you said is going to be true, but not always. There's going to be other considerations as well, and here's how it's going to work together.
1: So Yitzchak is a Kasha? Yeah. And he could also be a Shiloh or more Kasha? Yeah,
0: again, Shaila is just. Shaila is usually some sort of a setup for, for, for a kasha or a mm-hmm. yeah? Uh, I mean, we're not dealing with, uh, with school children over here, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's just uh, asking for more information. If the Bala Memer really felt he needed that information, he would have given it to you, right? So it's, it's usually going to be a part of a shakalatari of some sort.
1: Okay, so the terats is... Ba- is
0: is a new perspective.
1: After going through the contraction.
0: Exactly, so... So again, so I say, I say two people can make a Zumun. You say, but what do you mean? That's difficult because the Mishnah implies the three, the only three people. The two people, are not because the Mishnah says three people are chayv lemezamin. Okay. And I tell you back, you're right. The only three people are chayv lemezamin, which means two are not. But 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 I'm saying the two people could be mezamin. Mm-hmm. Although they don't have to be, but they could be, or I'm telling you that that would be two people plus uh, you know, a cotton, right, or or whatever it may be. And so, so basically, we we've, we've now what we've done is we've readjusted. You know, the initial mamer was too wild. We couldn't we couldn't handle that. Was not going to work with the rest of shas, mm-hmm. right? Boom, that maymer when that mamer went off, people like. You know, dropped under the table. They thought they thought it was an explosion, right? And then, so and then now through the caches, we narrowed it down, and now it finds its place with the terraces. In the terrace it finds its place in symbiotic uh, relationship with everything else. That's called shalom, peace. Right? the terraces brings peace. It it, it it helps us to see how the Memra and the Kasha can work out because now I have a new perspective on the Memra. It's not the way I initially understood the Memra. I have to have a broader, deeper understanding to make this Memra work. And that's the Mida Yaakov. And that's Amos, that's Peter Yaakov. that's Amos, that's Tiferis. that's beauty, right, that's where, that's a beautiful terrace, wow, look at that, he managed to bring these two things, it looked like there was no way we we're going to be able to work these things out, right, and it was this beautiful lumbus that helps me get a whole new perspective how the things are working, and now it all works out. Okay. Good. Um, let's let's uh, l- let's start now. We'll try to start the next part, which is going to try to um, drill down a little bit more into the concept of akasha. Okay. Um, so the truth is that it's it's really. An understanding of all, of all, um, of all statements, any statement, whether it be a mamra or a kasha or a teretz, everything is built like this. Um, the place where is going to be the most important to analyze it is in, is in the kasha, and yeah, we're going to see in a minute why. Um, so, but every statement really is premised I mean like built on two assumptions on two premises two pieces of knowledge that underpin every piece of knowledge Right? everything whether let's talk about a memra. akasha is also a type of a mainra akasha is i'm saying something mm-hmm. right? so that statement that i'm making whatever statement that is kasha, teretz, memra, anything, is always going to be built on two underlying assumptions. Okay. Okay? And those two underlying assumptions are um, an understanding of a general principle, of a general rule, and an understanding... Of how that rule applies to over here to our situation. Those
1: are the two assumptions for...
0: Those are two I premises. Two premise. let's, let's not talk about questions right now. We'll see the play out questions soon. Let's talk about a memra. Let's talk about a memra, right? So I'm going to make a statement. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, Torah is good. So, in order for us to... uh, How how did I make that statement? So, what I did is... um, I made an equation. I said, Torah equals good. That's what I did, right? Torah is good. Torah equals good. Now, um, in order to make that statement, really, I have to have some sort of a working definition of what good is. Okay. If I have no working definition of what good means... Then I can't possibly make that statement. Torah is good.
1: Okay.
0: Okay or clear?
1: I was thinking about it in relation to Hashem, because the way Yitir Hashem starts out is by trying to understand what the purpose of life What's
0: is. That? Hold on a to apply to all those things, but I don't want to get confused. Let's well, so talk about a very simple statement.
1: I understand. So I, I'm trying to understand if that's the same logic that's used in that situation because he doesn't go into that, the, the, Ramchal doesn't go into that in detail. He basically says that, well, if we say that Hashem created the world and Hashem is only going to create the world for good, then we have to assume that Hashem is good based on that logic.
0: Okay, but he's not, but, but he, you're right, he's, but he's not giving us that promise. One second. Just, if I say something is good, for, mm-hmm. forget about Hashem, or, or for now, we will talk about that. I not forget about Hashem, but let's, let's not discuss that right now, okay? Um, let's do, discuss something being good. Your car is good. Okay. Okay? So, I have to have some sort of a definition of what good means. Okay. To say that, right? Okay. So, for example, I'll say that a good car... Is one that lasts for a really long time. And let's say that will be my definition. That will be my working definition of a good car. Okay. Okay. And then I say, well, your car. Now I'm going to apply that to a particular case. Your car has lasted for a long time. Ergo, car. your car is a good car.
1: So that would be the Mamra.
0: So the Mamra was uh, that your car is a good car. Right. That was premised on two things: a general definition of what a good car is—it's mm-hmm. a car that lasts for a long time—and a specific understanding of the scenario that your car has lasted for a long time. Now, then Yosef turned around and says, "What are you talking about? That my car—the one that like makes all that noise and..." And um, you know whatever, it it it's tw it's a 2018 car. Right? Oh, really? I I sorry. I thought it was a 19 you know 88, right? So so that's why I said what I said. I thought that it was a 1988 car. So the thing is uh, the thing has been around for over 30 years, 32 years, right? Mm-hmm. So. I have a de- working definition that a car that lasts for a long time is a good car and I thought that your car is 32 years old which in my book is a, is a long time. So therefore I said you have a, your car is a good car. But so there's two potential ways that you could argue on my statement that your car is a good car. You could either tell me what you are talking about. There's a 2018 car. Right? That's one option. Or so that you, what you just do is you challenged my what's called minor premise. My my premise again, premise just means an underlying assumption. My my minor premise means my premise that pertains to our particular situation. I made an assumption about how old your car is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you challenge that you said it's not true. Twenty eighteen, right? Or you can challenge the major premise. You can say no, good car it has nothing to do with how. old old the car is, it has to do with how many miles it's driven.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I never drive my car. Right? So what, that has been around so long, right? Uh, it's got, got 50,000 miles on it. Yeah? So that was, a, that was a real life example. So we'll bring it back to the Torah. The Torah is good. Well, define good. Right? So, if you want to make a statement, Torah is good. You have to have a definition of good. Good is something that is royally merseus; it's fit to exist. It is the correct thing. It is something that that is the, the proper thing to exist. Ah, uh-huh. okay. Right. And I believe, and the Torah is something that is the proper thing to exist. It is truth. Truth is the ultimate existence. Uh, nothing bends the truth. Right? I mean, ultimate existence besides Hashem. Torah is an expression from Hashem, right? It says will. Um, okay, so then, if your definition of good is something that exists, that lasts forever, or that lasts, right, that uh, has a cube. and the Torah, second assumption, second premise is that the Torah is something that has Q. is the truth. The truth, no matter how many nuclear missiles you shoot at it, the truth is still unchanged. Right, mm-hmm. so then, so then, the Torah is good. But if somebody else thinks that good is what tingles their taste buds, and they come over, they lick the Torah. And say, "Hey, you told me the Torah was good, and I licked it and it just tasted like parchment."
1: So, the. The, the main is that the Torah is good, right?
0: Yes. Okay. That's premised on a general premise and a specific premise, or major premise, minor premise. Major premise is that things that have a continuity, right. that have this a the last solid existence. Are, are that's really what's good. good is. That's uh-huh. what good. And the minor premise is that the Torah is uh, has this unshakable. Uh, un- unshakable uh, reality to it. It's an absolute reality. Therefore, the Torah is good.
1: But they're both focused on the same idea of why Torah is good. And I feel like it's an well, expression of way of saying... That they're Torah not... The,
0: the, those two premises are... they just things that I hold to be true being independently. This is what I... And this is how I define good, right? And this is how I understand the Torah. Now, so that when I bring the two of them together, the two of them together give birth to a third thing called my Memra, called my statement, which is that the Torah is good. Right? so I have these two premises. I have my general premise, a generally held knowledge, uh, a belief mm-hmm. about many things. What is good? Then I bring that belief to bear on a particular item
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I analyze it. Does it, fit, does it fit this general criteria? And if it does, then I generate a new thing. This item is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So that's how memra is done. That's how memra happens. Right? A memra is that the balha memra has some sort of of a general premise. He has some sort of a minor premise mm-hmm. or an understanding of, a, of what the situation is. And when he applies his his general abstract knowledge to this particular case, he generates a result. Therefore, it's mutter. Remember we spoke about last time that every maimrah is built with a case and a and a judgment, a scenario, yes. and a psak,
2: right?
0: achas, right? mm-hmm. three people ate together, hayaven mm-hmm. right? They're obligated to make a zimun. Three people ate together, you need to make a zoom. Right. right? That would be the entire meimer, which maybe that's not the meimer, maybe the meimer continues, and, uh, and tells us maybe maybe the, maybe this older scenario, right? Mm-hmm. You always know, have to uh, try to figure out where it is because in one Mishnah you can have one mamer, you can have three Mamers, you can have five Mamars, right? They're called, in the Gimor, they're called Bavos. A bova means a gate or a section. So a Mishnah can have a number of sections, each one teaching different hadushim Yeah? But assuming that that would be the mamer, right? So then I would then, so I have the I have the particular case, and I have the ruling. Mm-hmm. Now, in order to make that ruling, the one making the ruling must have had a general premise, an understanding of what it takes to do it to make a zimun, right? And then he had a certain understanding of this case. And when he combined the two, he concluded that they're hived to make a zimun.
1: General understanding and adding his own addition no or his own perspective no on it, so. well
0: th- th- his own perspective is what helped to create the general understanding. but he has a certain rule in his head you know like in like uh, in math you have you have uh, you have uh, so he knows that two plus two is four he, or he has a general he, he knows no he has, has an equation he has an equation no, no, he no, has no, an no. equation that he has an equation that um x equals y times five minus three okay that's what he's come up with okay So now he encounters a particular situation where the way he interprets the situation is telling him y equals 4. He goes, oh, okay. So here we go. So my equation out there is x equals 3y minus 5. Is that what I said? 3y minus 5. Okay. And y is 4.
2: Okay.
0: Therefore, 3 times 4 is 12, minus 5 is 7. So x equals 7. That's his conclusion. So the statement x equals 7 is premised on two things that x equals 3 times y minus 5, and that y is 4. There's the general. There's the major premise and the minor premise. Major premise is the equation. Minor premise is the value of y.
1: Okay. So there's another variable that they're that they're attempting to define or add.
0: Our particular case. Again, we're saying that there is an understanding. Let's let's bring it back to uh, cars. Good, right? Your car is good. So. I have a general understanding of what it means to be a good car. That's, the, that's like the equation. right? Okay. Then I have a specific understanding of how old your car is. When I take that, I'm thinking of how old your car is, and I plug it into my analysis of cars and their ages, it res, it, it concludes that your car is a good car. Now my equation is a good car is a car that is old, that has lasted for a long time. Yeah, that's my equation. So then when I see that your car is old, I plug it in, and the result is your car is a good car.
1: I, I think I get it. I'm just trying to understand exactly like how to define it for my own knowledge. How, how to define it from my own perspective in terms of what the minor...
0: Is. Minor premise is always how I evaluate a particular local situation that we're dealing with. Meaning, do I, again, in our case, was, is my assessment of how old your car is? Mm-hmm. Okay? Where's the, the. But where we, start,
1: the, we, m- we start out already knowing that the car is good.
0: No, that's the conclusion.
1: Oh, I see. That's where I was getting confused though, in that situation. I come in.
0: I've never seen your car before. I come okay. in. I have in my head a a, a a major premise that a car that lasts for a long time is a good car. That's okay. I have that. Okay. I will apply that to any car I see in the street. hmm Right? I see a brand new car drive by. I say, I have no idea. Maybe that's a lemon. I have no idea. I don't know if it's a good car or not. I see an old car driving by, Oh, psh, that's a good car. Look at that. That car has been driving off for 50 years. That's a good car. Mm-hmm. Right? So then, now, with this um, major premise that I have in my head, Mm -hmm. I walk up to your car. Now, if I haven't yet decided how old your car is, I have nothing to say about whether your car is a good car or not. It's only when I make a second premise, a minor premise, and I say, this is an old car.
1: Okay.
0: Then, I combine the minor premise with the major premise... And those two... That's the father and the mother. The major premise is the father. He's the general rule. The general all-encompassing rule. Cars that last for a long time are good cars. The mother is a specific... Hands-on... nitty gritty Assessment of the situation right here in front of us. This car is an old car. Those two together give birth to the child... Which is, this is a good car. Which came about as a combination of the major premise and the minor premise, together. Okay. Okay means, not really?
1: Better than before? but I think that it's something that I need to at least say out a couple of times and attempt to fully
0: internalize. 100%. So, we're going to get lots of practice with this, right? Mm -hmm. So, now comes the... uh, I told you that really every statement is premised on two premises.
1: Every premise is...
0: Every statement is premised on two premises.
1: Every statement is premised on two premises, right? Yes, that's going to be the minor, the major, and the minor.
0: Exactly. Right. The father and the mother. Right. right. Every person in the world had a father and a mother.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if, so if someone was saying there was just a mother without a father, and there was a divine thing, probably there was a father who just preferred to be unnamed.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, um, so that means, for example, right? For example, let's let's go back to your car. I had a major premise that any car that's been around for a long time is a good car. Mm -hmm. Then I walked over, and I analyzed your car, and I said, this car's been around for a long time. Now, that statement, this car is an old car, that statement, that's also, just like the statement, this is a good car, is going to be premised on two statements, my statement of this is an old car is really also premised on two premises, right? Right? Define old, and then tell me how old you think that car is,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. right, depends what you consider old, compared to the sequoia trees, you know, in in Yosemite, that's not an old car, Mm -hmm. right, so you say, oh, no." no, what I mean is, any car that's older than 20 years is an old car, okay, and now, and how old do you think that car is? Well, I, I, I think that that car is 22 years old. Okay, then, then, then the assessment is, this is an old car. Right? So you see, every person had a father and a mother. Every statement comes from a general premise and a minor premise, uh, a major premise and a minor premise. Mm-hmm. Or general specific as I keep, I keep mixing up the terms it's either you can call it major premise, minor premise or you can call it general premise and specific premise which might be better when comparing to father and mother because um, major and minor sounds like one of them is more important whereas general and specific are just different hmm and we wouldn't want to uh, offend any of the Ashes Heils. Okay, so um, so therefore, and so now that th- th- we've been using until now, maimers. Basically, this is a good car. The Torah is good, right? Whatever. Um, but the truth is, it applies equally to every statement, every single statement. Just like every person has a father and mother, every statement is built on two premises: general and specific. Okay. In, so and, and, and uh, kashas I like that also and terutzum I like that also everything okay so now why did I tell you that specifically usually we're going to be looking for these things in the kasha answer is because in the memRA, you're almost never going to see what those premises are since a meimra is coming out of the blue it's a, it's a mei, it's a boom it's a creation right so, hard for me to know where he's coming from. I can guess, but I can't really know. Okay? Akasha has something coming before it, and it has something coming after it. So, it's easier to see, you know, the premises that are there. And to a certain extent, Avraham is considered to have not had parents. Right? Terach, even before, you know, even while Terach was alive, Shem said to Avram, "You can consider him dead. You're, you're not really from him. Right? When you, when you look at Avram, you don't really see where he's where, where he came from. You look at Yitzhak, you can tell where he came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the point is that the that and in the Terahs, it's not going to be so important what the promises are. It's going to be a lot less important. You'll see, you'll see an experiment. We'll, 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 we'll do some cases. You, you'll understand. But in the Kasha, it becomes crucially important." To understand what the kasha is built on, because those two premises that the kasha is built on, the terrors will always knock out one of those two premises: general and specific. And this is where we've been driving at the whole time. Okay, being that the kasha, like everything else in life, is built on two premises: general and specific. Yeah. The only way that you will ever knock it out, knock it away, push it, absorb it, however you want to say it, is by challenging one of those two premises. Okay? And that's going to be key because sometimes it's not so clear in the Gemara which one it is. Sometimes it's a makhleikas, Amaroyim, one will answer like this, one will answer like that, right? So, it will be a machlekas, Rishonim, what the Gemara answered. Did the Gemara answer by rejecting the general premise or the specific premise? Okay. So, once you can identify what the kasha is built on, and you can usually identify it by just simply speaking out the kasha straight, saying it in a way that's Fully spoken out in a way that that, that you could you know, that makes sense. One long sentence where you, where you speak out the kasha clear. You will see there's usually going to be built. First half of the kasha is going to be the general premise. The second half of the kasha is going to be the specific premise. And so when I respond back at you, when I when I when I uh, retort, right, I'm going to be crossing out one of those two
1: okay so that, that should be really the standard approach when one is learning tomorrow in terms of trying to figure out what exactly what the two premises are in the statement okay
0: again it'll be it'll become pretty intuitive pretty quickly in mo- in most cases what that is right okay okay right that's a, a
1: big point to to, to consider i mean it, it, that seems like that's essentially what
0: the entirety of learning is and that's the that is the that is what's called the hashbon of learning there's a whole nother part of learning which is called the svara right? the understanding how the answer did that what is this answer right and that's on a higher level, that's really where you know, the real makhlaikas is happening. But first, just to get the nuts and the bolts. This is what we're doing right now. We're talking about the nuts and the bolts, which is in, which is in the, what was called the khashban of the sugya. Heshban means the, you know, the, the technical steps that are happening. Here's what he said. Here's what it was built on. Here's what was challenged. Did he say the, was the answer like this or was the answer like that? And here's so what's the conclusion? Is the conclusion yes or is the conclusion not? In, in certain cases, right? So that that is all that until you have that you, you you're like floating in mid, you know in outer space. You have not you have to have that down. And once you have it, then you'll then when you have it down, then you'll move over to the even group and then and then we'll start working on the swarm